Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the leastwoke.com weekly roundup. I am the least woke man in America, and what a crazy week it was. We have so much to discuss, so many what I consider major stories. Uh, let's start with the incredible revelation from major mainstream media outlets that the Hunter Biden laptop story was real. The laptop does exist. It does contain some very not good, <laughs> some very bad uh, information about Hunter and Joe Biden. And it is not Russian disinformation. As Joe Biden called it in a Democratic, or excuse me, in a presidential debate versus him and Donald Trump. Does anybody remember that? Joe Biden, I'll put a link on the big feed, explicitly said in a presidential debate that everything regarding this laptop was Russian disinformation. And that's even after the Russian collusion story was discredited. After an impeachment trial and tens and tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money was spent, so it was not Russian disinformation. The laptop is real. You know, the whole, the whole set of circumstances, I, I don't know, it's been so long now, some of you might have forgot how all this played out. It's like something out of a John Grisham novel. The, Hunter carelessly and foolishly left this laptop overloaded with personal information of his, not so flattering pictures, emails, including business emails. Well, if you want to call it business, I don't know what real business was taking place uh, between him and his Chinese business partners, maybe Ukrainian business partners, etc. So he carelessly leaves it at some uh, computer repair store in Delaware and just forgets about it. And it sits there for months. I mean, who does that? And the owner of the store somehow passes it on to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, and then, of course, it falls into Rudy Giuliani's hands. And the media uh, just completely discredited the story from day one. The New York Post was the only news organization that would report it, and, of course, they're owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News Channel. So the rest of the major mainstream media outlets, uh, CNN, uh uh, CNN, New York Times, Washington Post, discredited it, would not report it, and most importantly of all, and this is just incredible, the social media sites banned any links regarding it, any reporting of it. So, um, you know, we look at the Russia-Ukraine war right now, and we, we are just aghast how little the Russian public knows what's going on, uh, especially at the onset of the war. They didn't know the war was taking place. Uh, a lot of the troops were lied to. And we look and think, oh man, they're so in the dark ages. You know, they have such, they live under such a tyrannical dictatorship, such a tight totalitarian regime with Vladimir Putin, no free flow of information, no freedom of the press. Who in the hell are we to say that about the Russian people when? Our major media outlets, in, dare I say, collusion with a major political party and with social media companies, completely 
blocked a story that would have absolutely been a game changer in the election. I mean, you look at the minuscule margins. Joe Biden won in Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, excuse me, not Ohio, but Pennsylvania, etc. And in Michigan, to think that that minuscule percentages would not have changed without getting into Dominion and Sidney Powell and all that stuff, Lynn Wood, all that conspiracy stuff. If you combine the Hunter laptop with the $430 million Mark Zuckerberg spent for people to go inside people's houses and show them how to vote, that's all you need to know right there. That's all you need to know about the 2020 presidential election. And they knew that, of course they knew. It was gonna be very tight and something this significant where the president's son is a crackhead, is has uh, all types of shady business deals, and that the pres- Joe Biden himself is mentioned in those shady business deals. All of that would have been a game changer. Maybe not versus the far left Cookville, who, you know, were in all the people who had Donald Trump living rent free in their head from the time they woke up in the morning to the time they went to bed at night. His money, his tweets, the fact he's a white male. Yes, I understand. It would not affect, there's nothing out there that could affect those people. They are gone. So, but millions of millions of somewhat reasonable thinking, which means, you know, they think they're open-minded, so they're not progressives out there. Of course, that would affect their vote. This is a huge, huge story. And as the New York Post says, and I'll put this on the big feed, uh, right in the first article, paragraph. Don't be confused as to why the Washington Post changed its tune this week, admitting the Hunter Biden laptop is the real deal or why the New York Times fessed up last month. Uh, Reality forced their hand and they can't downplay the scandal's impact on President Joe Biden without acknowledging the facts. And and the fact is there's going to be indictments here. Even Christopher Wray, as much as a putz as he is, as much as he couldn't stand Donald Trump, uh, they're going to have to indict Hunter Biden. That's how that's how bad this is. And the media doesn't want to play, have to play catch up. We're out of the middle, in the middle of nowhere. The American public finds out the president of the United States' son is indicted by a grand jury. And people, you know, the American public will say, well, where have you been all along? Well, they knew all along what was going on. They knew. They just had Donald Trump living rent-free in their heads. Like I said, you know, it just, it's so repulsive. It is disgusting. It is the type of thing that, um, you know, if you follow history as I do, there's been many, many contentious, nasty presidential elections in this country. Sometimes it's construed that they keep getting nastier and nastier and that presidential elections being as rough as they are is something new. That's not true. Even in the 17 and 1800s, some of the elections between the founding fathers themselves were just brutal before the, you know, before 1800 even. But this one, even 50, 60 years from now, I really believe historians, except for like the far left wing ones, will be just stunned at how the American public was played and how this information was suppressed across the board. Yeah, it just, the way they did it in tandem is just incredible. So this is a huge story, and 
it's easy if you're on the right to consider this a victory, but boy, it, it, on the one hand, yeah, it's kind of a victory, but on the other hand, uh, the, you should have such uh, concern about what played out here and how it can happen again. And, and as I mentioned at the beginning, for us to have the gall to look at the Russians, you know, and the way that story, the war with Ukraine is being manipulated to the Russian public and to see how this played out is really something. And um, I don't know how Biden's going to escape it. I really don't. Uh, I really don't. I mean, we know, we all know who's in his, uh, who his co-pilot is. So that's rather terrifying. But how uh, Biden, the big guy, how the big guy escapes this is beyond me. But this, this is a huge story. And it's going to be amazing to see how it plays out, uh, especially between now and the midterm elections in November. Okay, welcome back. Now, some of you probably noticed in my intro, I said, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, which is the intro we will be using from now on. And it's an intro that is no longer allowed by the Disney Corporation. Did anybody hear about that? Uh, Disney, you know, at their events, would normally start with that. Now it's, I believe it's dreamers of all ages um, because, of, you know, there's in this country, for the first time in the history of mankind, there's about 853 genders to pick from. So Disney, to show how much they have progressed and evolved beyond thousands of years of human black and white truths, will no longer use that because there is not, there is no boys and girls or ladies and gentlemen. There is just confusion <laughs> and chaos. <laughs> but anyway, so... I don't know if you've been following this, but the in Florida, there's a bill which has been completely late, uh, falsely reported as don't say gay. That's a complete misnomer if you understand this bill. And for the media and for the, the opponents of this bill to lie that bad and misconstrue it that bad, when you see that taking place, you know that there is something in the legislation that is completely out of whack with mainstream America, or they wouldn't lie that bad, because it has nothing to do with say, uh, don't say gay. Now, maybe some of you are listening to this podcast, and really, like normal people are just busy during the week, so you just, uh, you know, you just get tidbits of current events here and there, and you hear stuff like this, and you're just getting caught up, and uh, you, you, this article might hit blindside you a little bit that this is actually taking place, that what the actual meat of this legislation. I, I'm kind of like that myself. I was telling a friend of mine yesterday when I was driving, we were talking, getting caught up on things, and I said these progressives uh, with with stuff like this. I, I kid you not. I feel like, you know, when you're uh, either in a work environment or an office, or you're outside doing something, you're really focused, trying to get something done, especially in the summer and a fly comes out of nowhere. So you're trying to get something done, you're trying to focus, and you hear the buzzing, and it's around your head, and then you have to go get a newspaper and find it, because it's driving you insane, and just swat it, and then you go back to what you're doing. When progressive stuff like this flares up, that's what I feel like. Probably like the rest of you, I have personal obligations, I have business stuff going on, I try to, you know, there's major meaty stories taking place in the world. Oil prices, inflation, Russia, Ukraine, if COVID's going to reemerge, the economy, all types of things. And all of a sudden, 
I go online and I see these little tidbits of this don't say gay. I go on YouTube to get caught up on things, watch some of the uh, commentators I like, and I see anecdotally this don't say gay. So it's one of those things that I do a podcast. I've always been interested in current events and American, America, this country that I live in. So I feel like, what the hell are they up to now? Again, just like a fly. I'm like, now, now what is their freaking problem? Because they always, always have a problem. So I'm like, I guess I should get to the bottom of this don't say gay thing. And I see all the upheaval and the protests and the upheaval and everybody's crying. And there's all these problems. I'm like, now what? And so, um, so don't say gay, the essence of it. And I want you to really keep in mind the age group that I'm talking about here. K through three. Not middle school, which would still be creepy. Not high school. K through three. So in essence, they're trying to stop kindergarten through third grade teachers from talking to children about sex and gender identity. And this is a problem for these people. Um, I don't know about you, but when I grew up in the 80s back in normal people land, and I will use the word normal, that's millions of people have died in this country for free speech, so I will use the word normal, whether people like it or not. Um, they didn't die for media companies to ban free speech. They banned for me to, they fought and died for me to say what I want. And I'm, like I said, I'm going to use the word normal people. So back in the 80s, back in normal people land, before everything went nuts, Okay, if I went to my friend's house in first or second grade, it could have been a friend who my parents were friends with his parents or her parents and got along well and were on the same page with everything. And I went back to my house and my, my parents were eating dinner and I started talking about how uh, my friend's parents started talking to me about gender identity and sex my God, all the alarm would have went off. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate too, okay? And even to this day, many of you out there with kids, I don't have kids, but with kids, can you imagine sending your kids to somebody else's house or say maybe to uh, an organization they're in, soccer, band, uh, scouts to this, that it has been sued out of existence, and they come home and the substance of what took place is another adult, gay or straight, doesn't matter, was talking to them about sex. Again, not a high school kid. K through three, all right? A child, not even close to a young adult. The whole thing is weird, creepy, disgusting, gross. Call it as it is. That's the raw problem with the right in this country. We tiptoe around things. This is not normal. This is freakish, repulsive behavior that leaves permanent psychological damage to children, I could not be more clear. Don't be the, well, I can kind of see how they're coming from because, you know, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand their concern. Don't be one of those people. Do you know the damage that that pussyfooting nonsense has done to this country on so many different issues, all right? I'm not talking about what I call good old-fashioned for American politics. I call it textbooks versus tanks. Say back in the 80s and 90s, Republicans might be more pro-defense for tanks. Democrats might favor more education. Textbooks say, hey, why, why could we have one less aircraft carrier group out in the ocean? How about spending more money on students and 
tuition and textbooks, etc. I get those arguments. And even within those that construct, there was demonization took place. And if Democrats, if they were more for the textbooks, were like, well, you're, uh, you know, you're on the side of the Soviet Union if you don't want to defend the country. And the Democrats would say, you know, Republicans don't care about kids. They only care about the rich. And blah. So demonization took place. But for the most part, there was the vote. You know, somebody won, somebody lost, everybody went home. That was, like I said, nuts and bolts, textbooks versus tanks, American politics. That went on for decades. And there's a lot of other examples, how high taxes should be, how much to spend on highways. You get it. You understand what I'm talking about. But this is a whole different domain. This is whether or not a public employee, a school teacher paid by taxpayers, should be talking to five and six-year-olds about sex and gender identity. Now, why does it say don't say gay? Well, because they've construed this, and you can, excuse me, I don't need to post links. You can see this all over YouTube on the MSNBC, CNN, etc. They've turned it into, they'll find gay teachers. And one example, I found an interview. uh, There's an interview on YouTube. Maybe I will post it. It was a gay teacher. He's married to another guy. And he's like, well, if I have a picture of me and my husband on the desk, the kids can't even ask about it. That is not true. That is what they're trying to construe it as. There is something sick and twisted going on here. Like I said, there's a difference between textbooks versus tanks compared to swimming and the demonic. They have some deep need to be talking to the kids about this stuff. It has nothing to do with seeing a picture of a gay teacher and uh, maybe it's a woman and her wife or a man, a picture of them and their husband and their kids and the little kid asks a question, who's that? He says my husband, then it's over with. That is completely different than talking to the kid about maybe what gender that they are. It's none of their freaking business. So I have a link, CNN.com, again, because of the toxic progressive chihuahuas. I try to do a lot of links from the MSN, because if you put Fox News, oh, just get, let me guess, that's just one more Fox News link on your website. No, it's from CNN.com. So it says, uh, and this will be on the big, it's already linked on the big feed. Uh, Todd and Jeff Del- Delmay, uh, they, two gay men who married each other. Okay, that's legal to marry each other. Um, it's the uh, beginning of the story. Now, the paragraph that I highlighted um, is one, two, Seven paragraphs in. It's the life we imagine for ourselves, being able to grow up, married, and have a child. If we've been able to do that, and we're showing kids the example that you could have, that you can have a life like that or any life that you choose. But we have to be willing to allow them to see that from the youngest ages. Just like them, we imagine just like we allow them to imagine being a firefighter or a doctor. So now, choosing, and this is on CNN. Okay, this is on CNN. At one time, the benchmark for cable journalism. So a choosing your gender is like choosing your profession. That's that's where we are here. And that, uh, so this... And that now, now public school teachers are supposed to get involved in this. If this Todd Delmay wants to talk to his kids and about gender and sex, I still think it's weird even though they're his kids to be talking about that at five or six years old. I guess it's no longer considered abuse. He can do that. 
if he feels that gender status is the same as picking an occupation and that that is a topic suitable for five-year-olds, I guess I don't feel comfortable with it. Maybe more libertarian type people do. I don't know. Um, I guess he can. But how does that equate to public school teachers and educators in a country that's not exactly knocking the cover off the ball when it comes to the math, science, reading, etc. How does that come to teachers talking to kids about that? Um, so here's another paragraph. He's talking about his own son. We amongst, we've been amongst children who, who know Blake, his son, and once they know Blake that has two dads, and you kind of explain to them the situation, they're fine with it, he said. They just know Blake has two dads, and his dads love them, and he has two loving parents, and that's it. That's all they need to know. So, um, yes, we're saying that if a kid points, ask a question, the teacher can respond, but that's completely different than openly having a conversation with a kid, you get it, a five-year-old, about their gender identity and their sexual preference and possibly even sex itself. So the whole thing is sick. It's nuts. I really believe that, and this is why I might sound adamant about this, but again with that, well, I really, I really understand where they're coming from. I, I just don't necessarily agree with that. What, what does that do? Okay, what, what does that do? You know, we're not talking about, you know, Coke versus Pepsi here. We're talking about serious stuff. And uh, I really believe there's going to be an army of people. It could be 10, 20 years from now that, um, that wake up and uh, are just completely hurt and just taken back by how they were affected by this stuff. I really believe there's going to be people, and I am not talking about a boy who was raised by two guys, or put it this way, and I'm going to tell you the way it is. There are gay people, grounded gay people, because I think of uh, very conservative people by nature, especially religious people, might not have a lot of gay friends, a lot of interaction with gay people. Okay, I get it. And because of that, people on the right might whitewash the whole gay community as being super liberal and supporting all this stuff. And I'm telling you right now, that is not true. There are gay people, married couples, or single gay people, it doesn't matter, from coast to coast, that if you spell this out to them about talking to five and six-year-olds, especially when it's not even parents, but school teachers, about gender identity, they'd be completely taken back by all this. They are taken back by all this. Why do you think they're lying about the bill in the first place saying don't say gay? So then, you know, a lesbian, you know, in Pennsylvania reads about and says that don't say gay and it gets her attention and might get her worked up a little bit because it's all been so misconstrued that somehow people like her are being discriminated. If she takes the two minutes, which most people don't do, to really dig in the details, that lesbian woman in Pennsylvania might say, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard of my entire life. Why is this even an issue? But that's the game they play. And again, if people on the right, well, you know, you need to be tolerant and open-minded, blah, 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 you know, there you go. And then the damage is done. Issue after issue after issue. Next thing you wake up, you, you know, you, can, you wake up in a gender circus where everybody's emaciated because they can't 
eat meat, you know, driving cars that can barely get up a hill because they're electric um, and the battery's going low. It's just ridiculous. The whole, you know, it's just, it, it, you can't, they're vicious people on the other side. This is what Rush Limlog, God bless his soul, used to talk about. I mean, you're, you're dealing with such overbearing people on the other side. And that's the, 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 the funny thing about them always having religious people being judgmental about conservative people, you know, because of abortion issues, not respecting other people's bodies. And you uh, to, to try to say that you are allowed to talk to other people's children about sex between K and three, that is a just a sociopathic lack of social awareness. I'm sorry. And, uh, and that's why I'm glad they mentioned it. I, I, I love digging down. Maybe some of you could help me to who are the leaders of this stuff? Like who is the person that, and it's usually, they're usually hiding somewhere in the academic world. A lot of times public university, which is great because the taxpayers are paying for this stuff. And they are the ones that stir this stuff up. And then, you know, um, as societies become less religious, uh, that, that's broken down some of the barriers. And as social media now gives them a platform where before they would have remained in hiding and just been obscure, and they might flare up in some far left-wing whack job newsletter or magazine here and there. But, uh, but now they have, a, they have, a, you know, they have a, a, a megaphone and this stuff comes out. But for the protection of, this is beyond politics, really. I mean, like I said, politics was good old tanks versus textbooks. This is protecting uh, children from stuff that I never thought would, would emerge in my lifetime. Okay, next topic, gas prices and Joe Biden. How are they linked? Uh, you're probably not going to believe this, but sometimes I get into it with people in my personal life regarding all things politics. And one thing you'll hear from people on the left is, what exactly has Joe Biden done to really hurt oil production? I heard it's, p it's completely fine. It's the same as it was under Trump. Okay, so here, here's... Here's how you answer that. First of all, it is close to where it was under Trump. No one is denying that. But in saying this, oh, and by the way, you probably saw where Biden is now pushing oil producers <laughs> to use federal leases, uh, allow them to have leases with federal land they're not using that, that they uh, you know, signed up for at one point to possibly explore. And Biden is telling them, you really need to use those leases or we'll cut you off. And of course, his uh, <laughs> his army of self-righteous money haters are like, yeah, you tell him, you tell him. We're sick of them screwing the working man. All right, let, let's, let's, let's clean this up a little bit here in real world, real, the real world, Bill. Um, here's how all this works. Okay, let's start from the very beginning. American, the American oil industry. It was big in Texas. Everybody's seen the movies. Remember Dallas, the TV show, yada, yada, yada. Oil is like any other commodity. For every one person that's become a millionaire or <laughs> one of Bernie Sanders' buddies, billionaires, um, there's about 10 people who have gone bankrupt. So, you know, there's one person that got rich, 10 went broke, and thousands of jobs that were created by the one person that went rich. What got rich? Let's not forget that part. All right. So, 
And you're not going to believe this, but when you go to do something, <clears throat> excuse me, as speculative as drilling for oil, you even if you have an 800 credit score, you do not walk in to the branch of your local credit union or even a you know sizable bank and just ask for a loan, even an SBA loan. We're talking about high risk stuff. I actually have an article on the big feed. It's from 2018, but it gives a good overview of the concept of, you know, oil is not much different than the 49ers with gold back in the 1800s or whatever. It's a high risk deal. So where I'm going with this, our oil industry was built and financed by people that took big risks, didn't all win despite what you will hear, because that money, so what I was saying before, you go to get, you can't go get a loan, you have to find investors who are people with a lot of money, get talk them into it. If you lose your rear end, you might be personally liable. At the worst case, you get sued. There's a lot to this. And one thing you can be guaranteed, right from Karl Marx, <clears throat> excuse me, to Lenin, to Bernie Sanders, to Joe Biden, no one in that food chain has any respect for what I'm saying whatsoever. We focus on the quality, the risk that was taken, the value that was added, the jobs that were created, how that affects our GDP, and how that affects our quality of life on the right. And the, again, with appreciation that it didn't work out for a lot of people. On the left, all they focus is the one guy who made the most money, all the pollution that it created, and how underpaid they are, how, how what people who are making those jobs, how much they make compared to the guy who started the whole thing. You get my drift. So it's a completely glass is half empty, as usual version of the whole story on the left. So if you're Joe Biden and your idea of making money is being the big guy and getting kickbacks from Hunter's fake business deals with China and Ukraine, it's really just like the Obamas, or excuse me, the Ob well, the, yeah, the Obamas with the speeches, Hillary and Cl Bill Clinton with their speech money and the Clinton Foundation. Among the whole group, there is... Uh, no respect for real business. I think that's why they can take such, you know, like the Clintons with the Clinton Foundation, they're always surrounded by rich business people and rich actors, and to them, rich is rich, whether it's the foundation or business, because when it's all say, the same, say, it's all the same thing. You're just one person screwing another. <laughs> There's absolutely no respect whatsoever for the substance that's taking place like we have on the right. So if you're Joe Biden... Um, it makes perfect sense to just, you walk up on a podium and you bully the oil companies around and that's how oil is produced because that's the way the world works. And so the thing is this, Russia in, attacked Ukraine. So I think there's pressure from the White House, even in the biggest whack jobs um, in the Environmental Protection Agency, which, you know, God only knows the creatures they have running around in there that Biden put in there since Trump left to just scale back, not be the aggressive, tyrannical bullies that they were plan planning on being the day he was inaugurated because now we're in a pickle because of Russia, Ukraine. What they're not getting is those investors that I was just talking about a couple minutes ago, the people who actually invest and spend the money. Take, for example, those federal leases he's talking about. The companies lease that land based on an idea on the idea that sometime you know if, if the numbers work which again progressives despite their off the charts iqs have no respect for if the tech 
the oil in the ground is there and the technology is available to pull it out profitably that they tap into it. But so they want the opportunity to do that if the math works. And you also tie up the land with the leases so nobody else gets it. Again, all dynamics, nobody in the White House has any respect for. Uh, or they do, and but they like going to the podium and being the big tough guy who's saving the world from the oil companies. So with the investors, you have to have confidence that you're going to not just get your money back. You can get your money back on a CD that's guaranteed at the bank with you know minuscule interest, but at least you know your money's going to be there, whether it's Shell or Exxon or BP or other companies, Democratic politicians have built careers demonizing while using their products. Um, you have to know before you spend the money that you're going to get it back and that you're going to make a profit. And Russia, Ukraine aside, when uh, Joe Biden in the tree hugger shit show shows up in D.C. on inauguration day, you have no motivation to go pull the trigger and spend billions of dollars not having any clue what regulation is in the works, how much cooperation you will get. You go to drill somewhere and uh, the uh, EPA shows up with their clipboards, picking apart every single thing you're doing, determined to find problems. So why would you pull the trigger on that investment if you're just going to be badgered and hounded the whole time? So there's a massive reduction in confidence is what I'm trying to say. So the left loves saying, well, what exactly has Biden done to stop oil production? Well, you have to take the story I'm giving you into account as far as what's required for oil production, what's required for the companies to pull the trigger on more exploration production, and look at who's in the White House right now. And that's what's driving up the prices. Because the problem, and, and it's scary because, you know, these idiots are in there at least until uh, 20, the January of 2025, you can say, well, what if Republicans state Congress? I mean, that certainly helps, but they're still in charge of the regulatory agencies. So despite the utopian nonsense of tree huggers, that we are not going to be on all electric cars anytime soon. We need the gas and oil. And to think that new production in this country is going to be stymied in the next four years is kind of scary. It's because Excuse me. You could parachute a Republican, Trump, or whoever in, in the White House in 2025, but you're still behind as far as the investment that's constantly required to build more infrastructure. You can't do that overnight, is what I'm saying. And this cartoonish, childish uh, perception of just everything to do with business and profits and investment that they have creates a real, real problem for all this. It's the same with housing. I can't tell you how much it bugs me. Like I tell people, I can understand Hong Kong and Japan and Israel, small countries, densely populated, or even certain states in this country, New Jersey, uh, the, Manhattan, the Manhattan and Long Island part of New York, very densely populated, lots of people. Everybody wants to live there. Of course, housing prices should be insane. Probably not as insane as they are right now, but they should be bad. But you have a country like ours, <clears throat> excuse me, massive land. Uh, what's it? 60, 70% of rural counties are shrinking in population. Tons of oil in the ground. Unlimited practically amounts of timber. 
and the average middle class house is $363,000. That irks me so much because I know the root of it. The root is, first of all, the printing of money during COVID. You triple your money supply in a year and a half. I really believe that at some point, you know how we laugh when people go to have, we, we look at the middle ages and someone was sick and they cover their body with leeches to try to get the sickness out of them. Someday, 20 years from now, they're going to look at us tripling the money supply during COVID. And that's going to be like the equivalent of financial leeches. Like they're falling on the floor laughing. What the hell were they thinking back then? So we tripled the money supply, inflated everything. Um, uh, construction slowed down during COVID. But of course, people are still having babies. So the, your population is going up. And then the, the uh, border is wide open. So think about, again, the lack of respect for reality here. You have, you're allowing millions of people to come to the southern border. You're inflating the price of everything, which slows down uh, new construction. New construction is getting slower by the week. You just, people can't afford to build anything or in businesses are waiting. Everybody's waiting to see what happens. But at the same time, you're flooding the country with immigrants and people are still having children. Uh, so I don't know, but again, this is just... I, there, there is repercussions to all this, and they cannot be fixed overnight with elections. Yes, there probably will be a Republican tsunami in November, uh, but how much damage is going to be done between now and then? Um, as awful as the terrible, really, the war in uh, Ukraine is, the fact, again, that that pumped the brakes on the far-left environmental wackos within the Biden world, um, I mean, it, I wouldn't say it a blessing because the war is so terrible over there, but it, it will help us, I think, in the, uh, in the long term, but not, but not enough. I mean, this has gone on for so long. I, I remember this as a kid. They were talking about the Arabs and there's war in the Middle East and the gas prices were high and we were so close to getting it under control and being independent. And um, I understand... <laughs> That's another thing the left likes to do. Well, we were energy independent under Trump, but we weren't oil independent. Yes, what they're saying is it's true. If you add up coal, natural gas, and oil, we all if you combine all three of those, we pull more out of the ground than what we need. So we export coal and natural gas, but we still import oil, which, I mean, that's still massive progress compared to where we were even 20 or 30 years ago. And like Bill O'Reilly, who I really admire, says, I, I'm the same way. If we can do a very small, common sense oriented march towards solar and wind over the next 20, 30, 40 years in an intelligent, reality-based way, who isn't for that? Less pollution, way less re uh, reliance on other countries, even though China makes 80% of the solar panels, who isn't for that? But these uh, zealots, the damage they can do. I mean, my God, it's like staring at the Bolsheviks taking over Russia back in the, uh, you know, the 19 teens after the czar fell. It just scares the hell right. Anybody with a brain, it should scare the hell right out of you. So, I mean, we'll just have to see how it plays out. You got John Kerry, the climate czar. He, that's the scary thing about John Kerry. It's like I, I tell people I talk to personally, you don't really see him very often, so which isn't like him. 
Uh, Bob Dole used to say the most dangerous place in Washington, D.C. was between John Kerry and a camera. So he's out, and he's a former prosecutor, and despite his uh, somewhat very disturbing Frankenstein-like appearance, he is very sharp. And what concerns me from day one, as soon as Biden got inaugurated, John Kerry is just flying around the country and around the world, twisting CEOs' arms, bullying people, and he's probably doing damage that we can't even comprehend. So, again, I, I don't know where it's headed, but I just, when, when, when you have a group of people with this uh, utopian-type mentality with this, and it, 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 the lack of um, focus on reality, like I had mentioned, with the, the way oil was really produced, is just stunning. And the other part is that... Uh, it never ends well when people are just disconnected from reality and everybody else ends up cleaning up the mess. So we'll have to see what happens. But uh, unfortunately, I'm not overly optimistic. I just want to end by saying a few things about the war in Ukraine. And the main thing I want to talk about is some right-wing illusions uh, out there that whether it's conspiracy-oriented or the idea that NATO created this war by trying by scaring Russia, and it's not Russia's fault, uh, it's not Putin's fault, he's just doing what's in his own, own best interest. I find this very disheartening and very disturbing. Uh, maybe, I, and I understand conspiracy stuff has become more prevalent among the right, but it, the conservatives, Republicans, conservatives, right-wingers, don't forget, are the group and maybe moderate Democrats are the group who led to the development of some of the equipment being used over there. Um, <laughs> Democrats can't wait for them to get Stinger missiles, can't wait for them to give them more javelins, blah, 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 blah. Wait a second. The money we spent in defense bills year after year that people like Bernie Sanders and to some extent, John Kerry, others, fought against. Give me a break. That's where a lot of this came from. These weapons weren't developed overnight. These are cutting-edge weapons that you don't see Russia with weapons like this, and they were supposed to be one of our biggest adversaries. Maybe China does. But thank God someone lived in reality over the last 20, 30 years to face the fact there are still threats to this country, there are still threats to democracy, their evil still does exist. Let's face it, let's spend the money, get the weapons, develop the weapons. I know no one likes to talk about weapons. I know we live in a world we, we'd rush mother take, you know, melt all those weapons and make windmills and solar panels out. I know, and, that, and I know people who think that way are 10 times better and more loving human beings than I am. I accepted that a long time ago. God bless them. There's going to be a special place in heaven. Maybe the padded room in heaven. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so let's put that in perspective. The American right is the reason those weapons were developed, why the money was allocated to buy those weapons. And so you understand what I'm saying. Uh, it, just, it just boggles my mind. And then look at Bill Maher. I know a lot of you, uh, there's certain times, myself included, especially when it comes to woke stuff or uh, the radical Islam, Bill Maher will be the adult in the sandbox of the American left. But 
he had a rant recently where he's talking about Zelensky and masculinity and how women need in this country. That's what masculinity looks like, not talking about things and fixing things and how evil still exists. And yeah, it turns out I've been talking even in previous podcasts on here, how it's the right who constantly accepts the fact, whether it's child molesters, pedophiles, drug dealers, that evil still exists. You don't sugarcoat it. Like I mentioned before, well, you know, everybody's different and different personalities, and you don't know what their upbringing is like, and some cultures are different than others. And it, no, no, right is right and right is wrong. Or excuse me, right is right and wrong is wrong. And God bless the people that fought for the development of these weapons. And for Bill Maher and the rest of now all to come home, because remember, you have to understand, I'm, I'm going to this as perspective, the Iraq war aside, the second Iraq war, which obviously was a disaster looking back in hindsight. The left has characterized the Dick Cheney's and Don Rumsfeld's, again, I'm not talking about the second Iraq war, but just the Ronald Reagan's, even George W. Bush's father is George H.W. Bush is warmongers. They love to kill babies. You know, they don't have, they, they don't care about the medical care for crack babies in the inner city because they're too busy spending money on Patriot missiles and blah, blah, blah. I have heard that for 30 years now. Then poof, Ukraine gets attacked by Russia and everybody couldn't be happier that we have all these missiles, thousands of javelins and thousands of Stinger missiles that we can send there on a whim. So I think that's so important, and it's the right that led that. So if the right becomes fractured in this country, and, and I, I think it's only a very small percentage of the right that buys into this, and I, in some ways I've been uh, disappointed with Tucker as far as his leanings towards all this. Well, it's their country, and they should do whatever they want. We're talking about freedom here. We have to put, uh, put yourself in the shoes of someone living in, especially Western Ukraine, a 22-year-old. They have phones. They're on social media. They're not stupid. To them, Western Europe, America, Japan, Canada is like this wealthy place where everything's perfect. And we know that's not true. Uh, we have high debt levels. All of us do. Aging populations. All of us do. So we know that that gets overplayed, not just by Ukrainians, but immigrants and third world countries from around the world. But... They have a freedom part, which, you know, supposedly we have, uh, to some extent, freedom of press, even though you look at, like I said at the beginning of the show, the Hunter Laptop story, and you could really question that. Um, so, and that's how they view that. They have relatives in Russia. They know people from Russia. They see Putin poisoning people and killing people and et cetera. So them, it's, it's a choice they made. So all these things, well, well, it's NATO made this war and it's because of American influence. It's no different than East and West Germany or the Eastern European countries. Some of the most patriotic people you will ever meet in this country are people who immigrated from here either during or after the Cold War from Eastern Europe or Cuban people. They've seen it all. There is nothing Bernie Sanders is selling that they want to buy. There is nothing uh, that the, the squad or AOC has to say that they have any use for. They've lived it. They've suffered through it. They don't want to hear anything any of them have to say. So... You know, the, it, it's the right in this country that has to have be more, you know, so centered and focused on how important the freedom of the individual is. Because on the left, especially the far left, the progressive left, it's just there's nothing there to work with. It's just complete darkness. I talked to begin this show. They're too busy worrying about uh, six-year-olds and seven-year-olds talking to them about gender identity. We have to be the ones who are focused on the rule of law, on how criminals go to jail. Um, 
after they commit a crime. They're not just released. I heard a story recently here in the People's Republic of New York. Uh, a man committed, uh, stole three cars within 24 hours because they had to keep letting them out because of no bail. Just, I don't know about the, you know, all of you in the, in the normie states, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of the progressive states have switched. There's no bail. So they literally, unless it's something heinous like killing someone, they are out the next day. There's stories, you know, these are supposedly the great lovers and protectors of women and women's rights, you know, even though they're, you know, some real beauties, Harvey Weinstein and uh, Matt Lauer are part of their ilk, where there's stories of women who were beaten, assaulted, etc. The guy is right out within 24 hours, going right after again. And again, these are, the, these are the people who got it. They understand women more than anybody, way more than knuckle-dragging conservatives. So uh, we are the ones that law and order, freedom and protection of the individual, it has to be there. And it'd be nice, like I said, if you know people personally into the whole conspiracy crap or, you know, Putin's not the bad guy and it's because the West's trying to influence Russia. You got to shut that stuff down. I mean, this is, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, my personal opinion is I'm a little leery about uh, the fact that Russians have pulled their troops out of Kiev. I don't think that's, I don't know, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. That's a positive thing. I just have a, a weird feeling that it might be kind of a strategic withdrawal type of thing and they're going to come back harder and stronger than ever knowing Putin's ego. And uh, we just have to be prepared for it and prepared to make sacrifices for it. Ukraine feeds big part of Europe. Ukraine is a huge food producer. I think that's the story that's not out there yet because they might be afraid to scare the hell out of people. But and within the next couple months, if the farmers over there are not allowed to start planting their uh, food and start to put seeds in the ground, we are going to have some serious problems. But let's just hope and pray that it keeps going the way it is going. Because the message that sends, not just to Russia, most importantly, to the CCP in China, that is the critical thing. That Western culture, despite its flaws, is far from dead. Is far from the bunch of uh, spoiled, uh, comfort-obsessed uh, cowards that they were hoping that they would be facing right now. Uh, for, that is just so critically important as far as the mindset and the rest of the world. So that is this week's show. Feel free to send me any comments. Have a great week, everyone, and feel free to check in as I do opinionated segments throughout the week. Thank you. Goodbye.